0: here we are folks thanks for joining us again episode 23 of the Silly Goose, the Gang, Silly Goose podcast. Gang podcast and we're joined tonight by Joe Hawley Joe spent eight years in the NFL as a lineman with uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Atlanta Falcons and now runs the Man Van Dog yeah. blog um, travelling the UK so Joe thank you so much for joining us tonight US no, yeah the US <laughs> the US what did I say UK oh, UK
1: maybe Jesus. maybe someday maybe <sighs> someday
0: that's always a... Uh, yeah. Yep. yep. Fucked, up, fucked up from the beginning. All
1: oh, right,
0: you know yeah. what. Yeah. <laughs> start over. Let's start over. <laughs> I'm right. uh, running. So, uh, yep, I have to tell you right from the start, uh, Joe, I know nothing about the NFL. Nothing.
1: Really? Uh,
0: Ali, hey, what do Ali, you guys watch? Uh, uh, I watch a lot of rugby. Rugby? I, I, yeah, rugby, football, a lot of fights and stuff. Ali's uh. Ali's a big NFL guy. Um, yeah. I know, I know, I, I know who like um, what's that guy called? Tom Brady. I know, I know who Tom Brady Tom is. Brady. That's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> Ali's the Ali's the big NFL guy. So uh, and Chris uh, knows Tom because he's married to G- 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 Giselle. That's the only reason he's yeah. ever heard of Tom. Brady. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only reason you
1: need to know Tom Brady.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Uh. Yeah. I, I I was fascinated in the you know retirement and going in a van around about America. That's something that uh, seems just like the ultimate expression of freedom is just going, fuck it. <laughs> I'm going to jump in a yeah. van and go, go travel. Um, yeah, I
1: mean, I spent my whole life playing football, and it's it's not an easy thing. And it's really stressful, really tough to play at that level against some of the best athletes in the world. And it got to a point where my body was breaking down, and I had... I mean, it's a 24-7 job. Like, a lot of people don't realize. Like, it's always constantly on my mind of having to show up and be a certain way. And so when I did walk away, it was like I had this new sense of freedom for the first time. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I don't have anywhere to be, nothing to do. And, you know, I was like, what an opportunity to go explore that freedom for the first time. And, you know, I think everybody dreamed of a road trip at some point in their life. And you know, I was blessed enough to, you know, have some money in the bank. I was single at the time. And nothing but time on my hands I went and explored it was pretty beautiful
0: yeah super super cool so what um so when when you know right from the you know where where was it was there some place that you wanted to go first or did you just wing it or uh, you know what what was the plan
1: oh man the plan was just to go for a few months um And then just, I had a few places I wanted to see. I was, you know, really into the national parks. There's like really beautiful Mm. places. I was looking on Instagram. And so I had a couple places I wanted to see and a couple people I wanted to see that I knew people all over the country. And, you know, when I took off in the van, three months turned into a year and a half. And it was just so much fun going to different places. Uh, You know, I went to a bunch of like all the major cities up the East Coast I went to. I'd go... You know, for a weekend or a week in a city, I'd go, like, hang out with people, party, explore the cities, do different, like, sightseeing and stuff. And then I'd go to, like, a national park and go camping and go recharge in nature. So I got to do all of it and experience so many things. Um, but the reason I've been mean, – I just kind of I – was, I was just kind of alone. I didn't really know who I was without football at the time. Like, I put all my effort into achieving this dream and accomplishing this dream – and when it was over, I had a little bit of this like identity crisis, and so mm. I was part of the reason I wanted to go explore. Is like, you know, I needed to keep moving and get out of my house and figure out who I was without football. So it was a little bit of like this experiential thing, but also a self-discovery thing of figuring out who I was without the game.
0: Yeah, I think especially for like Chris and for anyone else that's listening that isn't an NFL fan, unlike myself, I don't think anyone truly appreciates, and and I only started to a few years back, how much work players put in outside of game day. I did did a a coaching um, internship with the Scottish Claymores of NFL Europe um, back Mm. in 2000, it was, in fact. Um, And I got to see the guys do the film study, the practice, the walkthroughs. I played a bit of, I mean, very low-level amateur football in uh, Scotland. It was nothing, anything like even probably high school level out in the States. But I don't think people appreciate the amount of work it takes to be a full-time, you know, football player, especially you know, playing on the line. That's a tough old position to play, man.
1: Yeah, especially like I was probably one of the smallest linemen in the whole NFL. I mean, most of these guys are like six five, three hundred and twenty, three hundred thirty pounds. So I'm like six two and a half, like two hundred ninety pounds, two hundred ninety-five pounds. So I'm like one of the rare guys that's actually under three hundred pounds, and it was really a real grind trying to move these guys around like basically i was one of the best in the world at moving people out of the way (laughs) like that was my job and yeah like a lot of people a lot of fans you know there's this the madden game and some people think we just show up on sundays play the game and then go home do whatever but it's you know it's a constant grind like every day like 24 seven, and then training camp and having to compete for your job every day you know, a lot of people you, you hear about on ESPN and like on the news and stuff are just like the top 10% of the league that get paid all the money, The most of the guys are grinding every day to keep in the league and continue to try and get a job.
0: Yeah, I mean, I know, um, so uh, like I say, I don't, I don't know anything about the sport, but you have to appreciate anybody that gets to, you know, the top level of any sport, you know, whether it's, you know, football, whether it's, you know, soccer or fighting or, you know, NASCAR or Ping pong, you know, if you you know, if you're yeah. playing table tennis at the top level, you know, there's a, nothing happens to that level without years and years of grinding and working and studying and, and improving, you know. So, um, and I know that the guys, you know, I know some of the guys who are, I've seen pictures. And I don't know who they are, but they're absolutely enormous human beings. Uh, yeah, they are. See, so just think, man, just physically, it must be real, real hard on the
1: body. Um, and yeah. you know, yeah, especially for me guys. undersized. Yeah, to be at elite level in anything, you have to put in a lot of time. Yeah. And I think the big thing that separates these guys from my personal experience in the NFL is this this ability to overcome self-limiting beliefs and doubt. Because at some point you reach a like there's so many different levels. Like you have to start in high school. There's very rarely that a guy is playing in the NFL that didn't play in high school and college and like have this dream from a very young age because it's such a physically demanding sport. It's not something that you just wake up one day and say, I want to play. You have to like go through the whole process. And every time you go through the process when you're playing in high school and you go to college, you become one of the best on the team to probably one of the worst again. And then you have to work your way back up. And then you go from college, being one of the best in the country to go into the NFL to being like, for me personally, I was always the best player on my team in every level, except when I got to the NFL as one of the worst. I was playing against some of the best in the world during practice every day and so like having to compete at that level it just really makes you question like do i belong here like am i in the right place am i going to get exposed and so you have to really be able to look in the mirror and be like you know talk to yourself and be like i can do this and like push yourself through the pain like waking up when your body is so tired and so in pain and having to go and just continue to grind and you have to take care of your body and eat the right things to make sure that you're being able to compete at the highest level so it is a constant like struggle and it really is like the mindset is what separates these guys. And it's like kind of like the Navy SEALs guy. Like th- that's all mental. Like the physical part of it is one thing, but being able to overcome the physical pain with the mind—it just goes to show you how powerful the mind is and how powerful the mindset is.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. What, um, what, what would you? I mean, do you? Did you practice anything for your mindset to help you mentally prepare, or is it something that you just sort of came, you know, as you go? Better suited to the league and a little bit older, or was there something that you worked on?
1: Yeah, I had like one moment that it's a pretty fascinating story, actually. Um, uh, that kind of turned my whole career around. You know, I think one of the big awakenings that happens in anybody's lives is when they awaken to self responsibility and to taking ownership for where they're at in life and not playing having this victim mindset. And even though I made it to the NFL, I was there. And I had a really rough couple first couple of years at the Falcons. Like, I didn't really like the strength coach. He was kind of an asshole and didn't really, like, like the younger guys. Obviously, he gave us a lot of hard times. I kind of got not hazed, but it was just really hard to fit into a group that was a really good, solid core group of team and being a rookie and coming in. And so I always, like, I started my second year at, at guard, right guard, and then ended up going into my third year expecting to, be, to become the center for the like long-term center because the starting center was retiring after that point. And then we went into the draft that year, we ended up drafting the best center in the in college with our first pick. So I went in the went into that offseason expecting to be the starter, and then they ended up drafting this other guy and I went into that following season barely making the team. And I kind of went into this like depression mode. I would go home and drink a lot and like I just really was like pointing the finger at everybody. Like my coaches don't like me, they're not giving me the opportunity, I'm better than this guy they drafted. I don't know why. I'm not on the field. I'm the one that's like, and so that energy that I brought was like this, like, fuck the world. They're just not giving me a chance. And people felt that. And it got to a point where we were about to be the number one seed in the playoffs that year in 2012. And I'll never forget Christmas Eve. It was like two or three weeks left in the season. We were the number one seed going to the playoffs. They called me into the office and the GM and head coach were sitting in the office. They called me up there and then they ended up cutting me. And they're like, Joe, we're going to release you. We're not happy with where you're at. Um, You know, if you want to come back on a practice squad deal, that's fine. But you're just, you know, basically we're not happy with where you're at. And in that moment, I realized, holy shit, like all these people I'm blaming for where I'm at in my career aren't going to give a shit when I'm on the the streets without a job, on the couch, and I'm going to be filled with regret because I know that I could have given more. I could have done more. And so in that moment, after I was filled with all this regret, I was like, fuck, like If I get another chance, I'm never going to, like, I don't ever want to feel that feeling of regret like I could have given more. And luckily, I ended up talking to him, and somebody, one of our receivers ended up going on IR that same day. So they ended up bringing me back, and they said, we're going to keep you, but you're going to be the low man on the totem pole. You're going to have to work your way back. And from that moment on, I was like totally shifted instead of playing the victim and blaming people for hours that i mean it wasn't a total victim mindset like some of these people like the world's pushing me down because i was obviously working hard enough to make it to that level but to get to the next level where i wanted to go i had to take full responsibility and i'm glad that that happened because in that moment i totally shifted i ended up working my way back becoming a starter and then ended up playing another five years and um so I think that's it. I think c- taking responsibility for where you're at in life, like that's a lesson that I think everybody has to learn. And the people that don't just get beat up by life. You know, they, you, you got to realize that life is something, the things that happen in life are things that happen for you and not to you. And I think when you make that shift, everything changes.
0: I think that's a really powerful message <laughs> for everybody. You know, you, you have yeah. to you know take responsibility for everything that, you know, you make the decisions and you make the choices and, um, if things don't go your way, then you know, there's probably a reason they don't go your way. You know, it can't always be somebody else's fault. So that's it's really cool that you were able to, uh, you know, realise that and turn it around about, and then you know have another another go at the whole thing. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: that's yeah, it's cool. yeah and I suppose as well, NFL is probably out of anything the ultimate next man up sport, isn't it? Unless you are in that top, you know, that one percent it's very much next man up and it's great that you kind of spotted that and, and learned to deal with that and adapted to it and obviously, you know, built yourself a, a heck of a career out of that, you know, that turning point from
1: then yeah, on. Yeah, I mean, I, I dealt with a lot of my career. I ended up losing my starting job five different times in eight years. Um, like that story, when I worked my way back to finally becoming the starter again a year later, um, four weeks into that season, I was finally the starter it Was my fifth year. I ended up blowing my knee out. And so I t- completely tore my ACL, my MCL, and I had to go season-ending surgery, and it took me a year of recovery to get back. And when I got through that recovery, ended up losing my starting job again, ended up getting cut, and that's when I went down to Tampa to play and had another opportunity. And when I got down there, they brought me in as a backup. And talking about next man up sport, like the starter there ended up rolling his ankle, and then I ended up taking his job. And when he was healthy... Since I was playing so good, they just let me stay in there for the next two seasons. So it really is like another part of the stress of the job is like you you have to play hurt because as soon as you take a step back, I mean, I couldn't obviously play when I blew my leg out. But if you're like, you know, like I tweak my shoulder and it's in a lot of pain, like I'm going to do whatever it takes to get out there because I don't want to let somebody else have an opportunity to prove themselves. And it's just really like what have you done for me lately? And it is it is a stressful, stressful situation for sure.
0: And imagine the physical tool, because playing as as guard or centre, you're getting hit on every single snap of that ball. You're not taking any snaps off. You know, I played, again, nowhere near your level, take it what I'm saying with this, Joe, but I played wide receiver. I was out with the handsome boys out on the outside running fast, keeping away from those big guys in the middle as much as possible. But when you're playing guard and centre, there's no hiding in there, is there?
1: Yeah, no, it's like if I don't do my job, I can get someone seriously hurt. Like there's like the quarterback behind me or the running back. Like if I let somebody go, like they could get seriously injured. I mean, these are grown men, like going after them with everything they have. And so there is a little bit of this sense of like responsibility to show up and do your job. And you have to work with five or four other guys and you have to be on the same page. So playing offensive line is a very unique, unique situation. It's a unique position in a unique sport and the ultimate team position in an ultimate team sport Um yeah, it's really, really takes a lot. It takes a lot to perform at that high level in those situations. Yeah,
0: especially when you're not even getting the, you know, old linemen don't
1: appear on the stat
0: sheet very often. Do you know what I mean? Unless you get one of the uh, tackle eligible plays and you got a big man touchdown dance. Um, other than that, you're not really appearing on the stat sheet. You know, and you're not getting many ESPN Sports Center highlights. Unfortunately, unless you pancake someone or, you know, decleat someone, you're kind of you're the kind of guys that come in and do the job and very blue-collar, kind of below-the-radar type players, aren't they?
1: Yeah, that's, that's exactly. So the difference between an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman, if an offensive lineman is kicking the defensive lineman's ass all game, let's say there's 65 plays in a game, an offensive lineman kicks the defensive lineman's ass for 64 plays, but that defensive lineman gets by me one time and gets a sack fumble recover for a touchdown he's the hero and i'm the person that lost the game for him even though for 64 plays he was getting his ass kicked he might have been on his back he'd move it out of the way but maybe i like accidentally missed my position on my hand placement or something and he gets a move on me so it's like this heightened sense of, like that's why offensive line you have to strive for perfection even though you can never be perfect you have to continue to improve and get better and you're just it is it's tough it's tough to continue to get to that point i mean if you keep playing football, you're just continuing striving for perfection that you're never going to reach. I mean, that's why you look at Tom Brady. Like, he's won so many Super Bowls because he continues to show up. He knows he's still striving for, striving for perfection. But even one of the best to ever play the game is never going to be perfect. And you have to have that mindset of continuing to become perfect. And it is it is exhausting if you get to a point when your body's worn out and you're in a position where it's like you're so physically demanding. It's like, I, I just gotta got to experience something else in my life at some point. Mm-hmm.
0: What, um, what do you guys do for, you know, recovery? You know, you you're taking a lot of big hits and all these. So what, what do you guys do in terms of recovery?
1: Yeah, um, a lot of stuff. I think the big thing that is uh, really common is ice baths and yeah. hot tubs. Uh, I do a lot of contrast. I like going, like, 10 minutes in the cold tub, 2 minutes in the hot tub, and then that really, like, loosens my body up in, in a lot of ways. Massage therapy, acupuncture um stretching. Uh we do a lot of like pre prehab stuff and rehab if you have injuries working on muscles. Like we work Mm. out when we can. Um we have cryotherapy chambers at in Tampa. I know that's a new therapy that they're kind of implementing. Um but yeah there's there's a lot of modalities that you just have to continue to like continue to take care of your body and work out the inflammation. Yeah
0: just um yeah it's just I didn't know you know I I yeah I've had some ice baths uh, when I've been sore and all this kind of stuff. I didn't. I just didn't know if there was anything like the cryo stuff. I didn't know if there was anything super technical that the Americans have that we don't have that you you guys were doing. Um, but yeah, it's all kind of standard stuff: hot, cold, and stretch, basically. Yeah, um, yeah, that's all. Right. Yeah, um, yeah, that's pretty cool. So what What do you guys? You know, you said you didn't like this, the the strength coach. Um, what what were you guys doing for your for your strength work? General kind of deadlifting, and squatting, and
1: Yeah, squatting heavy, doing clean stuff. It's fascinating. When I was in college, I benched probably, I think I benched 465 pounds with my one rep max. And my final year in the NFL, I was probably, I could barely lift 275. So, like, my shoulders are so beat up. And, like, you'd think, like, you continue to get stronger and bigger. But as my body wore out, I didn't really lift as much weights. Like, I really was really about taking care of the body using my technique, but I had to stay strong enough to really handle these guys. But it's really like you had to be smart because I couldn't go lift like I did when I was a kid, you know. Um, But yeah, like a lot of heavy, like heavy squats, heavy bench, um, a lot more functional movements getting implemented now because people this new newer age um, strength training is a lot more about mobility and being limber, it's not as like rigid because just being big and rigid is going to get you hurt. So it's really about taking care of the whole body rather than just being big and strong.
0: I was I was trying there in my in my head to do the conversion from what did you say four oh, ninety six four sixty five so like four sixty five. So that's going to be. It's like two hundred over
1: two hundred kilos, like yeah, two two <laughs>
0: 230,
1: It's a bench. Like that.
0: That's fucking enormous. Yeah, go out of yeah. <laughs> like you, were, you were telling me that whole story and I was trying not to look stupid as you were telling me, and I'm going, that's, that's, that's over 200 kilos. The fuck? That's a huge bench.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> that's colossal. Yeah, that's, that's super strong. Um, I know. That's <laughs> a yeah.
1: To My shoulders aren't
0: happy about it now. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. So when you were starting to wind down then, John, coming out of the league. Um, Cause again, just for people who don't know your story, you, I think it's pretty incredible what you did to sort of set this whole uh, man, van, dog blog off. Like, do you want to share with us what you kind of, you know, you're giving everything away and all that kind of side of it. Cause I think that's pretty incredible.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah. So when I was going through, like I said, I was, there was a piece of me that was really excited about walking away from the game. Like I said, my body was beat up. Um, yeah, I was ready for a new experience, a new challenge. I was tired of like having to prove myself. Um, so there's a piece of me that was really excited to move on, but then there was also a piece of me that was really like missing and grieving it. Cause it's like my childhood dream. It's something I've worked so hard for. And so, when I ended up and during the same time when I was when I was deciding to retire and walk away, I was going through a pretty big transition in my relationship. I was engaged for a year with the same girl for five years. So I went through a pretty big breakup at the same time. And so when I was walking away from the game, I was basically walking away from this whole life that I had known and built for myself. And I was going into the unknown and I had no idea what to do. And it kind of culminated to this this moment when I was like a month after my final game, I was sitting on the couch and I just was like I was so like sad and deep in depression, and like, my, there was a physical void missing in my heart. I was like, dang, like, I, I knew I was called to move on from football, but like, what do I do now? And so that's when I decided to, to hit the road. And when I decided to hit the road, I was like, I kind of want a fresh start. I want to like figure out who I am without this game. And so I was looking around my apartment. I was like, what do I do with all this furniture? Um, I decided that I didn't want to pay for like a storage container because that was just going to cost more money. I didn't know how long I'd be on the road. And so I figured, okay, I'm going to try and sell it. And so when I tried to sell it, um, I actually used these like different apps, like on Craigslist and stuff. And I like tried to try it out. So I listed like a lamp for like 10 bucks and then someone came back, I'll give you four bucks for it. And then I was like, you know, how about six bucks? And then they're like, okay. And so we like haggled back and forth. And then they're like, I'll be there on Tuesday between 12 and four. And then they end up being late and then they end up coming and they're like, here's four bucks. And I was like, I thought we said six bucks. And I started being like, "What am I doing? I don't, I don't really need the money, and I'm like going through all this trouble for for six bucks." So I ended up deciding, you know what? Like, let me just give this away to a charity so it can actually go to help somebody, and then they can help me. So I'm not stressed out about like trying to get rid of it all. So I ended up reaching out to a nonprofit in Tampa, uh, Florida, where I was at, and they um, they ended up coming with like a truck and volunteers, and they ended up taking all the furniture and giving it to a family of domestic violence recovering and starting over. Uh, So that was good. So that felt really good to give all my stuff away. It felt like a physical weight was lifted off my shoulders. Um, And I I really connected. Like one of my mantras for my my whole Man Van Dog blog um, journey has been live with less to experience more. And I've realized I don't need a lot of things and a lot of stuff to be happy. And I went on this journey. I mean, I was in the NFL making a lot of money. And I had the nice car. I had a big house. You know, I had the girl. Um, I had all the things. And I still felt not fully satisfied, really unhappy. And, you know, I I came to this point where I really understood what the rat race was because at one point I was making $4 million in a contract year and I was looking at the guy next to me who's making $10 million. And I was like, he's not that much better than me. I need to make that much money. And I like took a step back. I was like, Holy shit. Like, look at yourself. Like if you were, you know, yourself 10 years ago, you're making $4 million. You'd be like, Holy shit. I'm like on top of the world. But You're just, if you, unless you find contentment and happiness within yourself, you're never going to be able to fill that void with, there's always more to be had. And -hmm. if you're continuing to move, and there's nothing wrong with wanting money and getting money and achieving greatness and success, but if you're using it to fill a void, then you're always going to be filling that void with stuff and you're never ever going to get there and fully satisfied. So, part of my journey was like, who am I without this sport? Who am I without all this stuff? And I went on this journey to find out these answers. And I did I went on like an inner journey exploring the stories about who I was and how I show up in the world. And I used football to to give me self-worth and realizing that I'm inherently worthy within myself and deconstructing the stories of why I felt like I wasn't and a lot of stuff with like relationships with my parents and like reconnecting with them. And football was kind of this thing that got in the way of who I really was. And so I just went on this journey of like learning all these different lessons and it was a, a lot of fun, a lot, a really amazing experience, but there was a lot of growth that happened as well. Um, and now I'm working on, on writing a book actually about the whole experience. Like some of the stories, like the one I just told you about where it was that turning point in my NFL career. And I talk about this journey through the NFL, through the decision of walking away from football and why I did that. And then the difficulty of that decision, the courage it takes to make decisions like that. Cause I know a lot of people, They go through similar things. It might not be walking away from football, but it might be walking away from a job that they no longer enjoy, that they're no longer satisfied in. Maybe a relationship that isn't working any longer, but they rather hang on to an unhealthy relationship rather than going out into the unknown because it's it's something they're comfortable with. And it takes a lot of courage to step into the unknown and say goodbye to this old life. And I want to share that journey that if you do, there's a lot of magic on the other side and there's so much to experience in this world. Um, Yeah. Yeah, it's
0: been a fascinating um, journey. Yeah, man. I think um, you know, there's a, a lot of people, you know, in unhappy relationships, unhappy jobs, just, but you know, just uh, sort of existing in this existing in this life rather than, you know, I, you know, like a lot of people, I'm sure, would like to, you know, sell everything and and go travelling anywhere in a van, because you know, but they just kind of get scared. And you know, I don't know, it's, you know, it's, it's, um, yeah, it's a, a really interesting thing that people hold on to these things that they think are valuable and important, but they really mean nothing, like, not absolutely nothing. It's fucking, you know, what's a, you know, it's, everybody wants a nice house, but, you know, do you really need a, you know, whatever, half million dollar house, a million dollar house? Do you really need it? Probably not. No, it's cool to be mm-hmm. able to wake up. It's cool to be able to wake up someplace. Um, you know, watch the sunrise, watch the sunset, you know, go jump in a, a lake. Yeah, those things are way more valuable to me anyway than you know anything else you know than having a Ferrari or something like that. Um, but yeah,
1: there's a lot yeah I think it who, really who comes down to, to to gratitude, right? like there's nothing wrong with having those things. yeah but if you have, if you wake up in a nice big mansion house and you're thinking about what you don't have and what you're lacking, mm-hmm then it doesn't really matter. But if you wake up, you know, a homeless guy wakes up on the street, but he's, grat- he's grateful that he got a meal, like he's happier than that guy living in a mansion just because he's grateful for what he has. So it's really changing his perspective of, instead of focusing on what's lacking in my life, focus on what I do have. And when you yeah. focus on what you do have, it, it creates inner happiness. And then you can show, because there's always, if you're comparing yourself to people that have more than you, which there's always going to be someone who has more than you that you think you want, then you're always going to feel like you're not enough and you're lacking that stuff. But if you compare yourself to people that have less than you and you're grateful for where you're at and there's always people that have less than you, then you can be like, okay, like I'm actually in a very good spot in my life. And then it creates just this enjoyment of the experience. I mean, being grateful just to be alive. Like what do we really know about like what this existence even is? Like what a gift that we get to even – have yeah. an experience through life like just coming back to that rather than focusing and getting lost in our thoughts on what we don't have on these material possessions
0: yeah I think um I, I, I'm one of the people who don't understand I, I have never understood people who have you know anxiety anxiety or depression I, it doesn't make sense in my head so I have one of these people that's always been lucky enough to wake up in the morning and go fuck I get to go do stuff today yeah, i can go climb a hill or you know i don't hate my job i'm one of those people who's super lucky um obviously not everybody is but you know it's i don't i've, I've never really been worried about the like, sort of trappings you know now, who was it that was, it was um elon musk was just talking about you know having you know a big house and it was just an attack vector and getting rid of that stuff is like he'd freed himself from these um trappings which is a yeah. really cool way to think about it um Yes. Now, did you, did you, when you were going through this process, Joe, did you lose any friends or friends? Did you lose people in your life who kind of went, this fucking, what's he doing? Did, did, is there anybody in your life that kind of went, eh.
1: Yeah, I think, I don't think it was necessarily like losing them. It was kind of outgrowing them.
0: Uh-huh. You know,
1: like, I, I, when you, when you change your perspective, into like more of a gratitude state, because it's all stories, right? Like we live out these stories of what society tells us success looks like and what it is to be like, you know, start a family, get the white picket fence. Like the American dream is this idea to like work up the corporate ladder, get a retirement, retire when you're 65 and you have the the family and the white picket fence. And if you don't do that, you have like an alternative lifestyle, like living out of a van, you kind of like are looked at like crazy because so many people think this is what society says is okay. But when you start questioning those stories, like why, why is that what the definition of success is? Like my definition of success is how, how much can I enjoy the experience of life and be present in the moment as it's unfolding, whatever that might be. And even if it's like an, un, like, you know, like an unenjoyable experience, like it's still an experience. And so it's really about shifting the perspective. And so when you start doing the work on yourself and questioning the stories, about who you are and what society is telling you to be and fitting in this box, you tend to outgrow some people who are really like, you know, kind of focused on still those kind of things. And, you know, it it comes, like I feel like there's three types of people and with relationships, this is kind of how I label it. Like there's people that talk shit on other people. Like that's the conversation they like gossip a lot. They're like, Oh, this is what happened at work. This person did this to me. And it's like, I just don't like talking bad about people. So if you're talking, like it's all you have to have conversations about, like I'm outgrowing you. I'm not just, I'm just not going to be friends with you because like nothing against you. I just don't want to talk like that. Then there's people about, that talk about like, you know, their situation, like what they have, like they're still grateful and they're in good spirits, but they're just kind of like conversations are just, yeah, just about what's happening throughout the day. And then there's people that have like expansive conversations about like, how can I be better? How can I improve my life? What am I doing and showing up? And those are the people that I'm starting to gravitate towards because it's really about how can I become a better version of myself so that I can accomplish things, be of service in a bigger way and impact the world around me. And so when you start growing, you start gravitating towards those kind of people and you distance yourself from people that all they if all they have is to talk shit about people. It's like I don't have really time for that because it's, it's I don't like putting people down. You know, yes,
0: yeah, it's, it's um, very, very time consuming to dislike yeah. somebody. It's so it's yeah. so time-consuming. A to waste of energy, from. right? Yeah, man. Like, if you think about, if you think about, you know, yeah, you, you need, you know, seven, seven or eight hours sleep a day, um, and you think about how little time you have left. You're like, I'm not, you know, will I spend an hour today, you know, beating myself up in my mind because I don't like this guy? Or I'll just go, nope, done, forget it. Let's go, exactly. let's do something else. You know, it's so time-consuming and energy-sapping, men- mentally draining to, you know, to be hating on somebody. You know, why? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Fuck it.
1: Yeah, there's so many other experiences to be had. Like, and, we, yeah, no. and I don't think a lot of people think about how short our time is here on earth. Like, yeah. I don't think a lot of people think about death enough because they think they're going to just, the experience is going to last forever. Like, I mean, really all we have is this moment. So, why do you want to spend it just with the low energy and all the energy it takes to like talk bad about somebody? Like, they're just going through their own experience. And so, like, if you focus on, okay, I have a limited amount of time here, then it really creates a sense of urgency of, like, all right, how can I make the most of my time and enjoy this experience? I know,
0: um, and, you know, so, sorry, I was just going to say, I know um, me and Ali were both unlucky enough, unlucky and lucky enough to, to lose friends at an early age. And I know, so, I've never actually spoke to Ali about this, really, but and I know for me, it was just like, it's like, holy shit, this literally can't end tomorrow. Mm. And then yeah. it's just like a uh, fuck man, okay, like what do I want to do? Okay, I want to run up hills, I want to, you know, fucking swim in, 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 in water, you know, I, I want to achieve as much things and not achieving things as in, um, you know, buying a big house. And it doesn't really mean anything, DB, me, but there's a great, um, I think I, no, it's not here anymore. I moved upstairs. I have the, there's a, a, there was a band from Scotland and, you know, they had a song and there was a line in it that said, while well, I'm alive, I'll make tiny changes to Earth, and it's just the best thing in the world. It's just like how can you make an improvement to your life and to be nice to somebody else to be you know a little bit nicer to everybody around about you and make their life more pleasant just be nice, just be generally nice and have nice experiences with nice conversations with nice people and um yeah, it's very freeing when you realize that fuck this really doesn't last for very long. <laughs> Um, it's, it's like, like cool that thing. stoic philosophy as well isn't it a bit of memento mori you know, remember that one day you'll die I'd seen someone, the name escapes me at the time but they had basically created a chart they were 30 years old and they'd, they'd planned it out until the age of 70 just for an arbitrary number and they'd marked up a box for each day of their life up to the age of 70 and at the end of every day they would get a black marker and put a line through the box to show that day was done And it was all designed so that at the end of every day, before they put the mark in the box, they would think, have I made this worthwhile? Have I made this black mark that I'm about to put indelibly on this wall? Have I done something worthwhile with today or am I just literally marking time? Am I just putting a box? And I think, you know, with what you've done, Joe, between your career, your college and what you're doing now, travelling, I definitely think uh, you've ticked a few uh, boxes and some worthwhile experiences, I would
1: imagine. Yeah, definitely. I feel like I'm just getting started too. And I'm, I'm so grateful. And we talk about like, when you, when you have a good experience and you put out that good energy and you're, and you're expanding with that, with other, it's like this cycle that creates a more enjoyable experience. And then you start attracting people who are with that similar, like vibration. And so, you know, I ask like people that are talking shit about other people or like gossiping or whatever, like the reason that your life is, where it's at is because you're putting that energy out there and you're attracting it. Cause if Mm. I'm not going to hang around people like that. I'm going to distance myself from them because I'm not into it. So like those people, all they do is attract people who are similar vibration. So it's like, like attracts like. And so if you starts with your inner work, if you can put positive energy and gratitude out into the world, that's what will start coming back. People are always looking outside themselves to find happiness and fulfillment. And that's why it's, it's, you know, all these like spiritual practices and all these, you know, like really into Buddhism and like doing the inner work. And it's when you can do that and find inner happiness and tranquility, then your world transforms your external world. It becomes how you view it and your perception through which you view it. Yeah.
0: I think, um, is it in, I think it's in the book of five rings, um, Miyamoto Musashi. And it's um, a really brilliant quote. And it's, I, I mean, I'll absolutely butcher this, but it's just something like, there's nothing out with yourself. That can make you better. Everything you need to change is within yourself. You don't need any of this bullshit. You don't need any of this noise or anything. It's just everything you need for like personal growth is already within you. You just have to, you know, discover how to unlock it. And it's a really, really cool, a really cool quote. Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. It's, what I've uh, learned is it's it's like the thing that's holding us back from achieving the things we want in life are our own beliefs about why we can't. So it's really about turning inward and and working on the resistance. And and once we remove the resistance, because I think I believe we all have like a soul's purpose and mission here on earth. Right. So we're like all meant to do something. And if it's something that's coming up in your mind, that's like this big dream, there's a reason it's coming up. And it's like the more you can kind of listen to that and honor it, then you just got to get rid of the resistance and it will just literally come to you and you will flow, it will flow out of you but you got to get rid of the resistance to believing like, well, I'm, I'm I'm not good enough. Or why, why, why would I be able to do that? Like I can't accomplish what that person does. Or that dream is too big or, and and looking at those stories and questioning where those stories came from, like who told you you weren't good enough? Like, why do you believe that? Maybe it was something that happened when you were a kid. Like for me, it's fascinating. Like I used to have this self-limiting belief that I could not write. And I was, you know, I moved when I was in third grade from, uh, Vegas to Orange County in the middle of the school year, and so I missed like kind of, and they had different curriculum, so I missed kind of a lot of the English stuff, and so I always had this like this thing, like I just didn't learn English, and so I was always so behind, and I was like insecure to ask questions in school, so like all growing up, I just felt like not a good writer, and when I actually started the Man Van Dog blog, I was like, okay, I'm going to do a, a written blog. I'm excited. I'm going to share my story through writing. And I sat down before I even took off, and I wrote this blog post, my first blog post, and I spent like three hours writing it. And then I went back and reread it, and I was like, holy shit, I sound like a fucking dumbass. Like I can't put this out there, like this is not good. And so I just like, I was like okay, how am I gonna do this? So I was like, I'm not gonna write, writing's not my thing, I have just never been a good writer. I'm gonna do the, the YouTube videos, because like I have a little creative eye with video and editing, and like that was fun. So I, I did that, and I was like, oh, that's amazing. And it wasn't until I read the book called The Artist's Way, which started talking about journaling. And I always had resistance to journaling because I wasn't a good writer. So when I would journal, I would always like try to edit it or correct it or think somebody would read it. And so I would always like judge myself, even though I knew it was a journal and nobody would read it. So then I just wouldn't journal. And I read that book and it talks about stream of consciousness writing, where you literally wake up each morning and it's a habit and you just – I have a com- an app on my computer where I just write what comes to my mind. Don't edit it, don't judge it, don't go back and reread it. And so I just was able to get my thoughts out on paper. And by doing that, it, was just, it helped me practice writing. And then at the end of that, I started doing like positive affirmations. So I started writing, I am a good writer, I am an author, because I knew that I wanted to write a book eventually. And so I, to, tr- to change this belief that I could never do it, I just started writing and then it was fascinating. I wasn't writing for anybody but myself. I was never going back and rereading it. But I noticed like, the more I wrote, the words started like, coming together and started flowing. And mm-hmm. they started making more sense. And like, I just literally changed that belief about being a writer. And my writing started becoming a lot better. And that, probably, that whole process probably started a year and a half ago. And now I've written a 58,000-word manuscript. And I'm in the editing process of writing an actual book that I'm going to put out in the world. So I went from barely being able to write a blog, not even be able to write a blog to writing a book because I told myself I could and I uncovered the story of why I thought I couldn't and I think if people work on the resistance that's holding them back from achieving what they want, whether it's you know I want to make a million dollars it's like, well how can we get you there And you realize that the million dollars really isn't the thing that's an arbitrary thing whatever the thing is it's how does yeah. that thing Make you feel like why do you want a million dollars? Maybe it's security. Maybe you want to feel secure so you can have freedom to go travel and experience. So getting down to like what you want your lifestyle to look like, and then working towards that and uncovering the beliefs that are holding you back from achieving that.
0: Yeah, that's a uh, that's really cool. um You know how how you know obviously you know like you're saying that if there's a goal, you know the the path isn't direct. You know, so that there will be some obstacle and you have to figure out how to get there how to go there you know and then constantly learning and um i think being aware of your you know uh, this is this is just with me personally joe but being aware of your own bullshit when you're when you're bullshitting yourself you have to be aware of i'm i'm this i'm creating this problem now so it's sometimes take a step back and um but even let's figure this out so it's, it's it's really cool that you've found found a way to to get there um yeah. it'll, be interesting. It'll, be, it'll be an interesting an interesting book um i am it's funny that you say you can't write i'm a terrible reader like i can't <laughs> read but you know Ali will read books like oh i've just read another book you started it two days ago which yeah. i'm like i'm like oh, you know do they do a pop-up version oh yeah i,
1: fucking don't uh, I just have you tried you know I mean? have you tried audible <laughs> have you tried audible books do you listen to books
0: well funnily enough um Clint Emerson, the, the Navy SEAL that was on, I really wanted to listen to his book, so I downloaded Audible, and I have started to listen to to that. So if you put your book on Audible, I will. Listen. I will,
1: and I'm going to be the one reading it. But I would say, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. yeah, just oh, listen to awesome. books. Books yeah. like books will expand your mind, and you'll learn so much. And like when I started reading, my life completely changed and shifted. And I think Audible is a great way too, because you can like work out, go on a run, be driving, yeah. and listen to a book, and you're just absorbing so much information it's amazing amazing tool
0: yeah. i am um, I, I drive a lot you know i drive seven eight hours a day so um i listen to a lot of podcasts so you know audible is a perfect way for me to be able to take in uh, the information so yeah that's that's um something i'll look forward to when does that come out
1: um hopefully i'll have it ready in like i'm hoping like within four months i'm self-publishing and i'm, I'm working on the editing so it really depends how how much i'm about to get my feedback on thursday from my editor so we'll see what she says how bad it is how much work i got ahead of me but um i'm excited i'm excited to get it out and get it done and i know it's going to be a catalyst to the things i want to do in life i want to become you know more of a speaker motivational speaker i'm working on building a uh, a program called the heart collective for athletes that are in transition that are going through a similar thing that i went through I, like i shared how hard it was um I know a lot of athletes—not even just NFL guys. Anybody who's ever an athlete at any level at some point has to say goodbye to the thing they love, and mm-hmm. the dream is cut short at some point. And you know, I'm grateful enough that I walked away on my own terms. But that's—you know—99% of athletes, their careers are over before they wanted to. So, building mm-hmm. a community for for uh, to to support that kind of demographic and help them because they're all such high achievers. If we can empower them to do the things I was talking about, like working on the beliefs of why they think they can't and, and tearing down the resistances, then I believe that group of people can really make a difference in the world by supporting each other and uh, and becoming leaders of themselves and their communities.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think um, one of the favorite things and it is something that I probably overuse, you know, as a, you know, the, you know a, a rising tide lifts all ships. Um, and it's such a fantastic uh phrase because you know it's it's true so you have know, you get somebody like you um who played at the top level helping other people i think that can only you know look at them go well uh, if he can do it maybe i can do something and you know it's it's such a cool thing where you know a group of people who go okay we can all do this we'll all get through this together and we'll come out the other side fucking heroes
1: <laughs> that's right warriors so, warriors yeah
0: what um do you have any do you have any plans next? Do you you know do you still want to go travel disappear for three four months at a time or?
1: Yeah, I just uh I just bought a house um in Austin Texas about three months ago before the world shut down. It was actually perfect timing, um so it was really it's really nice to have a home base finally, but I still have the van. It's out front, and I'm definitely planning on like traveling still and like taking it out across the country. But having a home base now, so I can really work on the things I want to bring into the world. Um, I'm going to do more international travel too once the world kind of settles down I think it's starting to get to that point uh, you know and um, you know I still have a lot of places I want to see a lot of things I want to experience and you know like we talked about the clock is ticking so try and get yeah. as much in as possible it, before uh, kick the bucket
0: It feels like um, it feels like you do r- like really well at doing these travels and writing a blog or a journal you know, uh, you know, if you've done different journals about every trip and then make, a, like, a, a, a book based on different journals for your travels, that, that seems like, to me, that seems like that would be super cool, you know, if you had different sections about different. But, you know, that seems like it would be fucking really cool, like a really cool book.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my book now is about the journey of self-worth from football and transitioning and then the, the thing. And I have a few stories I wrote from, like, my travels, and I was mm-hmm. thinking, like, that's a separate book. Like a travel yeah. book that has like those kind of uh, nitty gritty crazy experiences because I mean I had a lot of fun, uh, met a lot of people, a lot of synchronicities. I mean there was one point I did, uh, I called it the Midwest baseball tour. I went to 13 baseball games in 14 days in six different cities. I traveled like 2,000 miles and just continuing baseball game, and then got in the van, baseball game van, baseball game, and then I just met so many people like you know party with so many people had some crazy experiences with people um so yeah i think i can get like maybe a maybe a tell-all book at some point <laughs> pretty cool yeah did when
0: you, did you um, was, oh sorry Ali, I, when, when did your because um, in the obviously the man van and dog blog because your dog was a rescue dog wasn't it did, was, was it rescued before the trip or did the dog appear on the trip is that where you you rescued them or that's the part i've never quite worked out when i've been following you
1: yeah. she. Uh, I knew that I wanted a dog on the road. So as the trip started like percolating in my mind as an idea, I knew I wanted to rescue a dog. So I actually rescued her like a month before I hit the road and uh, went to a shelter in Tampa. And, you know, I, I hung out with a bunch of different dogs and ended up finding her. And uh, she's been amazing freedom girl she's uh she's she's like i don't like the whole trip my whole life would be completely different if i didn't have her as a travel companion because it just even the nights when we were alone at least i had her and she's got such an amazing personality so it's been great yeah well
0: and uh, i know i'm just i'm just being cautious of the time because we're getting close to an hour so um one thing i was going to say you know when you were on these uh on these travels and in these different places did did you meet anybody at any point who kind of went holy shit are you not are you the football guy in a strange, bizarre place? Did did anybody go, hold on, why why is he, are you in a van? What the fuck?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was actually fascinating. There was a ESPN wrote an article about me and then USA Today, which is one of the bigger publications here in in the States, uh, wrote an article that was like on the front page of the sports paper when there wasn't a lot of sports going on. There's like a transitional period when like football season's over and there's like maybe a little bit of, there's no baseball either Yeah, it's just maybe a few basketball games, so it's like a dead period. And so they put like that story and uh, that's where I got a lot of kind of followers from that. And so a lot of people, and then there was a Facebook video that actually went viral. There was like, I think it's 36 million views on Facebook, which is like crazy. And so I would be, yeah, driving the van, like it's fascinating, people would be like, I'd be driving on the highway and people would be like honking like, oh, what's up, like we follow you. Or like I'd be stopped at a truck stop and somebody would pull up and be like, hey, can we take a picture with you? Like we follow you on Instagram. Uh, one time I was I was at the Starbucks getting a coffee and this like old lady was like, aren't you that that football player that was that was in the paper? And I was just like, yeah, wow. Like it's just wild how many different people like would say something. <laughs> Pretty fascinating.
0: Yeah, it's Cool it's um, it's always nice when you meet what, what's what's fascinating is so uh, you know this ties into what you know the world at the minute is um you know you see so many assholes there's a lot of really not nice people and a lot of mean people and when you actually go out and around about you know scotland's the same uh you meet some absolute sweethearts all over the world you know you get, you get these people who are doing all sorts of bad things but there's also some just genuine salt of the earth Really, really nice people. Um, when you out and meet them, it's 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 one of those things. that's, um, you know, we focus too much on the assholes rather than the nice people. <laughs> you know, um, it's something that's always kind of crazy. But yeah, it's it's you know, do you did you, uh, do you, did you meet anybody? You know, there was did you get anybody like shit off anybody for like retiring from football or
1: any any shit for
0: retiring? Yeah, did you on your travels? Did you get any shit from people for retiring?
1: Um, no, it was actually kind of fascinating how I got, um, it was like a tough decision when like the people close to me didn't really support me or understand, like I got more shit from them. Like I was engaged. Like I talked about my fiance, she was like, when I told her like, Hey, I'm thinking about retiring. She was not really that supportive of it. You know, my parents at the time were like, are you sure you want to walk away from everything you've ever worked for? Um, You know, and then like some of my teammates were kind of confused, like, you know, some of them understood because they knew how hard it was. But, you know, a lot of people, yeah, they were like, you're just going to throw this away because they didn't they don't see what it takes to get to reach that level and to stay at that level and how hard it is. So, yeah, it was it was a tough decision because it was a it was a, a lonely decision. It was like an isolating decision. It was a decision I had to make for myself when other people didn't understand it. And. I think a lot of athletes, especially in the NFL, they get to a point where they they might be in that place and they decide to keep playing because they don't know what else to do. They don't know what else they're going to do. They're going to miss it too much. So they continue to push themselves and their bodies and they end up really hurting themselves and not having a satisfactory life afterwards. So, yeah, it was, a, it was a tough decision. I think a lot of people – it was really cool when I was traveling, though, that a lot of people um, – Knew me, because like, I always was a guy that didn't like being known for being a football player. Like I always wanted to be known for something more. And it's when you meet somebody, you tell them that you play football, they automatically think they know you. They think they assume that like a, you're a certain kind of person and, you know, you got money and you're like this and you're like that. And I really hated telling people I played football. And so when I was done and I was doing this travel thing, like and people were like, oh, you're the you're the van guy. You're traveling. That's so awesome what you're doing. It was not about the football anymore it was about what i'm doing now and i really enjoyed that and it was really cool for me to to feel like i i am capable of doing other things besides football i'm more than a football player uh which is really i'm really glad i got to experience that because it's helped me now working on the things i want to bring to the world you know i'm not just a football player i'm a lot more than that
0: yeah definitely i think um we're all we're all in our own way trying to figure out whatever it is we're doing. You know, as example, you know, me and Ali are still trying to figure out how the fuck to do this. Um, it's, everything's constantly learning, so it's, yeah, we're all we're all trying to figure out whatever we're doing. So, uh,
1: but I love we'll, that because you guys are just doing it right. So it's like well, instead of just know. thinking about it, waiting. It's like well, let's just start and we'll learn as we go. And there's a lot of power in that because yeah. to to really grow is you have to experience and you can't you can't learn experience you got to experience it and go through yeah. you know the failures and the learning processes and the ups and the downs and then you continue to grow and then you can really just keep showing up and becoming better
0: yeah definitely we,
1: we- we've said that
0: I know we said off camera as well Joe you know it's we started this just as a let's give it a try and see how it goes and some of the cool people yourself included that we've had on talking to us you know we are definitely convinced the source code for 2020 is broken somehow (laughs) you know that (laughs) (laughs) That we've been able to get you know guys like yourself you know as we mentioned Clint Emerson the Navy SEAL you know FBI agents the Sasquatch professor you know we've had Olympians I've been listening to to that episode that's really damn cool (laughs) Uh, cool. honestly the the first 25 Minutes, if you don't at least by the end of the first 25 minutes go, hmm, then you've, you've closed off your mind too much. Even that first 25 yeah. minutes, you get to that first 25 minutes, Joe, and you'll be like, okay, I'm sold, I'm 100% sold on this. Sold. I'm going to do I'm, it for sure. I'm Send going, me a link.
1: Yeah. We will, we will. We
0: will. Um, yeah, so it's uh, like you're saying, uh, it's, it's me and Ali. I think the first time it happened was after the, the FBI guy. As he hung up, we said our goodbyes and he hung up and we just burst out laughing. Just like, we're two guys from the small, you know, small villages in Scotland. We've just spoke to, you know, now we're speaking to somebody who played, legitimately played in the, in the NFL. And it's like, just, you know, this doesn't happen unless you make it happen. And it's just like, you know, this, you know, this, you know, the pandemic was a perfect opportunity um, and I'm sure other people have done things on their own, to just go, well, fuck it, we might as well try, because there's nothing else to do. So it's, I it's love it, man. Cool, I'm proud of you guys. Such, such yeah. a cool learning experience, and uh, we get to talk to guys like you, which is super cool, and uh, we are eternally grateful for your time, um, because as we've already discussed, time is very limited, so yep. thank you, thank you um, for that, Joe. It was uh, fantastic. We will, you know, that's about an hour now, so we'll, we'll let you get on and, and do your appointment, so... Uh, yes. Just before we disappear, just for friend that wants to find out more about you, Joe, where can they, they find out, you know, find about your book, about your your blog, where can they, they find you?
1: Yeah, the best place to reach me is on Instagram at joe.holly, H-A-W-L-E-Y. Um, I'm really active on there, so if you reach out to me, I'd definitely love to hear from your listeners. And then manvandogblog.com is my website, so there's a little bit more about my story up there, but I'm working on transitioning that into more of a personal website. Um, but if you follow me on Instagram, I'll keep you updated on all the new things I'm working on. Awesome. We'll put a note in as well in the, in the notes when
0: we post this one up. But, uh, Joe Holly, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to the Silly Goose Gang today. Really appreciate it and um, wish all the best. You know, we'll look uh, forward to the book when it comes out. Um, episode 23 done and dusted, guys. Thanks very much. Thanks, thank Joe.
1: Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.